The Mission Daily is brought to you by the Twilio Signal Conference. Join the mission team on October 17th through the 18th in San Francisco. And when you join us at the conference, you can use the code MISSION20 to get 20% off. Welcome everyone to the number one source for rants, raves, and sometimes useful insights about accelerated learning. I'm Chad Grills, CEO of The Mission, and this is The Mission Daily. Gosh, man, I can't believe we're back at it again. I really can't. <laughs> Daily podcast, Monday through Friday. It felt like just yesterday we were here, and boy, do we have the episode for you. Today, we have a deep dive into a really exciting issue and topic, travels and adventures for mind expansion. So when you typically hear about travels, adventures, experiences, things like that, you might not associate them with mind expansion, but that's something that if done right, they can do. So this episode is about how to get the ladder, get the mind expansion when you have your adventures. Okay, let's get into it. So what are we talking about with travels and adventures? I think we're, we're trying to be very intentional when we're talking about travels and adventures. One of the things that you can't fall into, you can't accidentally have an adventure, you can't accidentally go on a trip or go traveling. It's a very intentional thing. And it's very intentional to think about how you learn by doing this. And I think a lot of people think that a vacation is getting away from that moment where they're learning when in reality, you probably learn a lot more. And one of the ways that I think you know, my parents definitely were this way. And a lot of people's parents, when they say, I would gladly take my kid out of school for a week because they're going to learn more on that travel. And that is like the exact, how does that happen when we're kids? But yet it doesn't happen when we're adults, right? I don't know. There's a great quote by Bill Watterson, shout out Calvin and Hobbes, who said that the mind and creativity is like a motor. It recharges by running. I think that travels and adventures are something that if you really get into it, and we're not talking about all-inclusives or cruises, although those can be nice and relaxing. We're not really talking about those. We're talking about like more frontier type things where you're out in the wilderness exploring things. And what Watterson's talking about there is that it's really easy to get you know, you're working hard, you get overwhelmed and you want to respite. You just don't want to do anything, kick back for a while. That's fine. Sometimes you need to do that. But other times you need to see what it's like to push yourself to the next level of getting out and, you know, going for a a hike on the Pacific Crest Trail or something crazy, camp along the way and get face to face with nature. And I think that as we're looking at these 10 principles of accelerated learning, obviously like they build on each other. And when you are on adventures, you have direct experiences, which is what we talked about in the first episode. And when you are seeing new things and your brain is being stimulated by new people and new thoughts and new ideas, surprise, surprise, you have a lot more creativity. You do. And it's more true, I would say, in a sense, to to our evolutionary roots as a species. So we're nomadic. We That's what we do. There have been multiple ice ages, something like nine times in the last five million years And so for however long humans have been around, that's something that we've endured and had to move ourselves and our families and tribes all around the world. So crossing land bridges, dodging global freezing and warming, that's what we do. So this is a call to adventure to get back to what we do best. And it is something that has been hardwired into our brains of like how we learn and how we view the world. And it's also hardwired into our storytelling. So a famous adventure is The Hobbit. If you don't know the story, you are in the vast minority, (laughs) but 
you know, Gandalf comes to the door one day and says to Bilbo that he's, is he ready to go on this adventure? And when you look at the parallels from storytelling to your own life is how do you find your own kind of adventure to go on? And Gandalf might not be coming. He might not be coming to your Shire to bring out. I, I hope he does. I, I hope he does very much, but you know. But he ain't coming. He might and not. He's, yeah. And he's definitely not. Don't count on him. Anyways. Yeah, don't count on it. And he's definitely not going to bring, you know, 12 doors with, with him. But <laughs> There could be someone that comes along in your life yep. that gives you an opportunity where you could go on an adventure. And the thing is, you have to be intentional and make the decision to do that. And when you're looking for those things, then you can actually take action and go do it. And we're not talking to about high price, luxurious trips or anything like that. So if you're thinking about doing like a low cost adventure, like low cost adventures, that's, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's where it's at, whether it's a bike ride, a hike, going out on a walkabout. Every couple months or a year, if you search the news headlines long enough, you're going to find an example of somebody that decided to bike across the country or walk from point A to point B. You've got the Appalachian Trail on the East Coast. If you're here in the States, on the West Coast, you've got the Pacific Crest Trail. They're there for people to walk and get out, camp along the way. It's affordable no matter what your income is, you can do that. And especially when you're in cultures that are not your own, if you were to go to another country where they speak another language, you are automatically a fish out of water. And we'll get into this coming up soon with our eight things that traveling teaches you. But just to put another point on this, that these things are out there and they're accessible and they're definitely more affordable if you make a conscious effort to do that. And one of the things that I think we get caught in a trap of is it's easier to build the nest and to make it better, and to constantly make where you're living better. Upgrade the kitchen. Upgrade the kitchen, right? What's way harder to do is to jump outside of that. And I think society makes it really easy to say, well, improve the value of your home, or save up to buy a home, or whatever. And you're going to wake up at the end of the day, and you built up something that is around you, rather than something that's uh, inside your brain. Well said. Well said. So let's jump into the eight things travels teach you. And these are things that are an invitation to mind expansion and looking at the world in a whole new light. Okay, number one, travels teach you what it's like to be in the minority. So great example, we just got back from Japan, I guess it was a while ago now, but my wife and I, there are a lot of different instances where we were the only white Americans, we were only Caucasians in many different scenarios and settings. It's a great, great experience. You don't get to do that too often sometimes. And empathy is built in situations like that. And people of other cultures want to teach you about their culture. Yes. Every, everybody, this is, I mean, this is my belief. Every culture wants outsiders to learn about them. And I think that there is a huge stigma in the world that that is not the case. And it's not saying you don't want to protect yourself. That's not what he's saying. Ian is not saying that at all. <laughs> but he's, he is saying, though, that you might want to be the judge, though. And yeah, absolutely. You might, you might find that there are way more people than the wrong types that generally people want to help you. And the only way that you're going to have that type of direct experience is you have to actually talk to the people. No, you're definitely right. And number two? Number two, travels either deepen relationships with your friends and your family, or they might reveal that they're not so deep. I like the word reveal there, because that's, you know, relationships and friendships, they don't get tested until they're forged in the furnaces of adversity or a car breaks down or your flight gets delayed for hours or your travel guide doesn't show up at the docks like that's where you get to see what people are like under stress and it's not you know it's not a situation where you want to see like who's weak and who's going to crumble it's not about that 
It's about who's resourceful, who's clever. Travels give, if you do them right, if you plan them a little bit, you can see, give people an opportunity to shine, I guess is what I'm saying. And when you are away from your family and friends for a little while, it's okay to learn what it's like to have to be on your own. Yeah. And getting to, getting to know, number one, you know, is a little bit of, <laughs> is a little bit of, uh, of a way to maybe foster those relationships a little bit more. Definitely. Gotta love yourself first, you know that? And that takes us to number three, which is travels allow you to take off the overcoat of culture. So in a lot of ways, our cultural habits and things that we do, sometimes we don't realize that we do them. They become unconscious. Sometimes we, you know, we learn, humans learn through imitation. We're imitation machines, but this can go too far. There's actually a word for this called echopraxia, which means unconscious imitation that borders on the deranged side. And if your all your behaviors and all your choices are never questioned, how do you know if you're not becoming exopraxic? It's also like the name of a great science fiction book about that subject, but it's it's pretty cool. It's but, also like 74 points in Scrabble. <laughs> oh man, that would be a killer. So travels allow you to step outside of your own culture and either into another or yeah, without culture altogether. Number four, travel offers information detox. What do we mean by that? Whether it's technology, whether it's the ability to unplug, you get to take a little break from the constant barrage and bombardment of technology all the time on push notifications, emails, pings, everybody at any time being able to reach out to you. And it is liberating and terrifying. And it's crazy that, you know, people, I think, can't imagine themselves without it. And after five hours of leaving your phone back at wherever it is that you're playing, it's hopefully, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you might need a lockbox to leave your phone back, but it is the greatest feeling. And the first time that I had that, definitely not the first time, but one of the times that I, I had that happen was when I was overseas and they just didn't have the correct like Wi-Fi or anything like that. So absolutely no choice, did not have an option to do that. And turns out, your hand stops going to your pocket after about a few hours and then... I have the phantom vibrations for a little bit, but eventually that goes away and you're unreachable, which is yeah, kind of a cool place to be. Number five, travels, conjure... Motion. At the same time. Motion? What motion. is it? Yeah. I don't know. So motion is a Zen expression and that translates roughly to the mind without mind. You know, it's obviously easy to glance at that or hear that and think, oh, it's really subjective or that's a woo-woo thing. But the saying refers to the place where your actions are effortless and fl flow naturally. So the definition here is motion is achieved when a person's mind is free from thoughts of anger, fear, or ego during combat or everyday life. There is an absence of decursive thought and judgment. So the person is totally free to act and react towards an opponent without hesitation and without disturbance from such thoughts. So oftentimes when we're on travels or adventures, we don't face direct opponents, but we do certainly face ourselves, our ego, our more, you know, lizard brain that sees everything as a problem and annoyance. It's too hot. It's too cold. I'm getting bit by mosquitoes. And it forces you to come face to face with the fact that you might not be as excited about those experiences as you may want to be. So number six. Travels free your mind to consider new possibilities like moving across the country. 
Yeah, this is, it's so easy to think that, you know, you need to live in one place and there are cliches that come up, like you got to have roots, you got to have a permanent residence and maybe you do, but when you travel a lot and you become good at it, you come face to face with the idea that you can move as much or as little as you want and nothing's stopping you. So if there's an opportunity across the country and you have traveled more than somebody else or somebody that might be vying for that job position, I think you're going to be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident pursuing it if you've been around the world. And I think it's funny that every single time you're on a good adventure or travel, you say, you know, I could consider myself living here. Like, you know, we we could move here. And that's human nature of, yeah, we would figure it out. Yeah, it would be okay. And it would be really fun. And then we could move at a later point in time. But I think a lot of people get stuck with, I have to stay here. And that's the place where confidence emerges when you realize that, you know, you encounter all these possibilities during travel or consider that you could live here, that you could do this, that you could do that, that it would be fine. And I think that's just a completely different type of confidence than what most people think of when they say that word. Number seven, travels will help you explore time. Another amazing quote here. Eternity isn't some later time. Eternity isn't a long time. Eternity has nothing to do with time. Eternity is that dimension of the here and now, which thinking and time cuts out. This is it. And if you don't get it here, you won't get it anywhere. Joseph Campbell. That's so great. And this is like one of the most salient points of this whole piece. Travels aren't fun if the whole time you're looking forward to the next thing. Yes. It forces you to be in the moment, unlike anything else, because you're like, holy, you know, we spent X amount of dollars to be at this place and the flights and everything. We're going to have a good time, right? And like, it's true that you force yourself to be in the moment. And then, you know, especially if you might only be there once and, you know, you're at a moment in time that might never happen again. So obviously almost every moment is like that, you could argue. But with certain trips, you might not go there for a long time. Maybe never. And you definitely won't be there at your age and with the companions that you're with or in the situation in life. Each moment is precious and you're, yeah. And, And I think that that's just, it forced you to be present and there's very, very, very few times where you are forced to be present when you're at your home. You are just like, well, this is another day. There's always the next thing. Number eight, travels offer a real opportunity to connect with your traveling companion or buddy. Whether you're going for fellowship or romance or whatever it is with your traveling companion, you get to see what that person's like under adversity. So a great example, the first trip, my, uh, wife, then girlfriend and I went on, we went to a remote corner of the world. When we arrived, the guide that we had hired to tour us around, show us around, wasn't there. And there was no phone. And eventually we found a ride. We got to our hotel. We found out where it was at. We didn't have phones or anything like that. And we got there and just like one thing went wrong after the other. And the first day or 48 hours was just horrible. But eventually our guide showed up. I mean, he basically no big deal that we ended up, we got some money back, negotiated it down and everything. And I would say three days into the trip, we weren't even worried about the first 48 hours and we're just having a great time. And we made the best of it and had a great time, but we never would have experienced that had we not been left in the lurch. So the final kind of point here, traveling, I think it gives you one more, I'll give this as a bonus, a ninth thing. It allows you, the more cities you've gone to, it allows you to go first in the board game pandemic. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> I, Wait, no. no, it's actually, that's not the game. Darn it. It's Ticket to Ride. That's what go. it is. But no, I was going to say that 
Good teachers are hard to find, but travels are always ready to teach. Salient. A salient point to end on. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been another episode of The Mission Daily, and we'll see you next time. Talk to you soon. Today's episode of The Mission Daily is brought to you by Twilio. This October, Twilio is hosting Signal, the customer developer conference of the year. To grab your tickets, go to signal.twilio.com and be sure to use the code MISSION20 at checkout to receive 20% off your tickets. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.